Welcome, fellow plebs. My name is Sean, and this is Tribunus Plebis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have two subjects we're going to talk about. First, let's dump on some billionaires and their space bullshit. And I literally just want to hit on this for a minute or two because it's so absurd and it should piss all of us off. Earlier this year, SpaceX, an Elon Musk company, and Blue Origin, a Jeff Bezos company, they were battling for a government contract to put men on the moon. The prize was a $2.9 billion contract with more to come as each successive launch will cost over a billion dollars. SpaceX has already been supported and propped up with billions of dollars in both federal and state grants, you know, for the entirety of its short existence. So just try to remember that when Elon Musk tells you some bullshit about his private company doing whatever the hell it is that, you know, it will eventually do. Because it's mostly bullshit. Just like Musk's entire public persona and legend. The government basically funded the entire thing. Without our government's money, our money, this thing very likely would not have ever taken off. Pun intended. But this isn't really about SpaceX or Elon Musk's many grifts and bullshit antics. It's about Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin. They lost that fight for the contract. So what happened next? Well, Bezos just went and paid over a half a million dollars to senators and congresspeople, and he bribed them to give him a $10 billion space contract to back up SpaceX's project. The senator who benefited most from Bezos' bribes is Maria Cantwell, a Democrat from Washington State where Blue Origin is headquartered. She said it was for redundancy. Now, depending on the fickle nature of the stock market, I suppose, these are two of the three wealthiest human beings on the planet at any given time. Setting aside the contracts and the bribery, why are we even giving these soulless jackals any money at all? Tax these fuckers and do it ourselves. The government, meaning us again, the huddled masses, we shouldn't be subsidizing the richest people on the planet for anything at all let alone for their Elysium fever dreams. Because guess what? Once Mars becomes a privatized escape location, you and I, we ain't going to be on that bus, buddy. We're staying here and living here, breathing the poisoned air here and dying here. Because we're poor and the rich will be over on Elysium City on equatorial Mars eating some sort of space sushi or something. If you can terraform Mars then fix this fucking place, you monsters. All right, now on to the bigger topic. Okay, so by now, we've all either seen or heard the scary headlines and or heard somebody repeating them. People just need to get back to work. The point that the terrible human beings on television and in the right wing and mainstream news are incepting into those people's brains is that a huge number of people, basically all of the unemployed really, 
are just chilling at home and soaking the working people of this country for those unemployment benefits. The news coverage, if we can even rightfully call it news coverage, of this talking point, because that's all it really and truly is, a talking point, it's meant to shame and deflect blame, as well as to make those who say it and are employed to feel better, all the while allowing them to blame the most vulnerable in the country for their circumstances. The talking point says that there is a labor shortage in the country and that the primary cause of this shortage is the extra $300 unemployment payment from the federal government. The most ridiculous of these goons will tell you that everybody on unemployment is making more money now than when they worked and that they're living high on the hog out there on their yachts or something all the while giving a big middle finger to those of us patriotic enough to work. But here's the thing. There is little to no real evidence of this as a real phenomenon. Now, there are some real things in here which these just terrible people are leveraging into their talking points and that we shouldn't ignore. Some sectors are actually finding it difficult to hire people back as they reopen. This is true. Some people are opting not to return to work. This is also true. But this argument about extra unemployment benefits contributing disproportionately to this issue is, at best, pretty flimsy when you dig in beyond the surface. And I want to recognize that the surface level here is very alluring. When a politician or a right-wing academic got on TV last year during the peak of the pandemic when the nation got a $600 weekly unemployment benefit and says, this bill creates an incentive for people to be unemployed for the next four months, as Republican Florida Senator Rick Scott said, a lot of people just believe it. They swallow it so hard that they have the hook hanging out of their ass. But it's not that simple. It is never that simple. And Rick Scott was 100% wrong, by the way, just for the record. Last year, the time Senator Scott was talking about and Lindsey Graham, Republican senator from South Carolina, said this about the Democrats, quote, They are going to make the next four months impossible for small businesses to hire, end quote. Unsurprisingly, he was wrong as well. Back in the spring of 2020, millions of workers were losing their jobs every week. And let me repeat that. Millions of workers were losing their jobs every single week. But when businesses began to open up again in the following weeks and months, millions of those same workers flooded back into the job market and went back to work, even with those enhanced benefits beckoning to them to be the lazy laggards that conservatives assume them to be, and we saw the unemployment rate plummet. In the years since those initial lockdowns and conservative doomsaying, many, many pieces of academic research have shown that the extra benefit of $600 absolutely did not keep people from returning to work. Low wages have kept people from returning to work. It's always more complicated than a simple Econ 101 chart, but there is a good amount of truth to the idea that if employers want to attract employees, and they are unable to, then they need to raise their wages or other benefits. So when a Republican representative like Dave Rouser in North Carolina says something like this, 
quote, this is what happens when you extend unemployment benefits too long and add a $1,400 stimulus payment. Right when employers need workers to fully reopen back up, few can be found, end quote. We can know that they're simply shilling for corporate interests and not for the workers. Just on a weird side note here, what is the last time you heard any of these goofballs saying a company should raise wages to lure workers? It's always that the workers should capitulate to capital, isn't it? These same goons take money hand over fist from the likes of the Chamber of Commerce, a voluntary association of business firms, a union in other words, and then they turn around and talk shit about workers banding together. This is how we know they are full of shit and serving corporate interests and not ours. Already powerful companies banding together to further subjugate workers is just fine and dandy. But workers banding together to free themselves from the tyranny of modern work and hierarchical power structures? That's just pure evil. I'll say it for the 15th time in the 30-plus episodes of this podcast. These people do not care about you. They care about their donors. And their donors only care about sucking every last bit of value they can from your soul before tossing your dried husk into the corpse-filled gutter running along Capitol's Highway. There is another argument here that is almost always attached to the enhanced unemployment, and that is that some people actually got paid more to stay home than they did to work. And you know what, this is accurate to a certain degree, although largely overblown, especially with the current $300 bonus. Very few people are actually making more now on unemployment, even with the $300, than they were working. But to me, this points directly at the sorry state of wages in this country pre-pandemic, not some sort of moral failing of the people receiving help. And again, just to be clear, even the $600 bonus didn't have an adverse effect on people choosing to go back to work, which is seen clearly in the numbers from last year. Why would anyone continue to tell or buy the lie, and that's what it is, a lie, that the $300 bonus is going to cause or is causing the exact same fake problem? And I guess since I feel obliged to make this statement at some point, I'll just do it right now. Yeah, there are people out there who will take advantage of the system, who will take advantage of any system. But they are a small minority of people when all is said and done. Most American workers who are unemployed right now are trying to get their jobs back. The data on this is absolutely clear. Any true freeloader problem that the unemployment system has is basically vanishingly small in the grand scheme of things, regardless of any particular anecdotes anyone might have. I don't want to hear them. This sort of issue is a rounding error at the fifth decimal point in this country's budget. At the macroeconomic level, it's a curious footnote more than a substantial issue. Nobody's upset about Jeff Bezos, the richest man on the planet, being given $10 billion to be a bench player in the space race. But y'all are big angry at Billy, the guy living in a leaky garage and getting an extra $300 while choosing not to work 20 hours a week as a part-time toilet cleaner. And hey, listen, sure, try to find freeloaders and fix the loopholes. I mean, I'm not going to help, 
because I'm not an asshole or a snitch, and frankly, I don't care if a handful of people skate by. I want to skate by. I don't want to work. Economists, like real, actual economists, they wouldn't even concern themselves with a few bad eggs. They would immediately notice and note the good that these programs do for 99.9% of the people who made use of them. It's maybe like how Walmart looks at shoplifting. They know what happens. They have a reasonably accurate assessment of what shoplifting costs a company, and they take steps to reduce it. But at the end of the day, they know it's going to happen and simply write it off. They don't just close their store and say that stores can't work because a small fraction of people steal from them. So if some employers and even some sectors of the economy to get in, you know, an even larger view of this, if they're having trouble hiring and the unemployment bonus isn't the reason why, then what is? Well, I'm glad I asked myself that question. One reason is children. About 30% of school districts are still closed or doing all homeschooling. Who's going to watch these children if the parent or parents return to work? Think about how hard it would be to go back to work as a single parent with a five and a seven-year-old child home all day. You just can't do it. And you especially can't go back if the only jobs you can find are offering minimum wage or just over it because you'd have to pay somebody else to watch your kids, something which isn't cheap. Now I'll refrain from sidetracking into a giant rant about this country's disturbing lack of affordable childcare and save that for another episode, but this actually matters more than we'd like to tell ourselves, and not just during pandemic times either. Another reason people aren't returning is that service industry jobs are just more stressful and more difficult right now. They are chronically understaffed, customers are being, well, frankly, just assholes about mask mandates, and verbally and even physically assaulting workers in low-paid positions for trying to enforce company, state, or local regulations. These sorts of jobs, which are generally loathed by the people who worked them before the pandemic, have become absolutely anathema to potential workers. Oddly enough, the people driving these workers away with their bad behavior are the exact same ones who deign to call these workers lazy for not wanting to return and deal with them. Yet another reason is safety, even beyond the insults and assaults from dipshit customers. COVID still exists. People with immune deficiencies exist. People with bad asthma or other underlying conditions that can make returning to work a scary or dangerous prospect. And many others simply care for people with these conditions. Regardless of how anyone in particular feels about their own risk and safety due to COVID, it's a bit of a jerk move to assume that, like, we have any real idea of what these other people's lives are like, or what they're suffering through, or who they need to care for. Now, the other question is, why is all of this, you know, suddenly coming up again? Why are these Republicans, and it is mostly Republicans at this point, why are they suddenly screaming this message into every megaphone and news camera that they can find? Why are they doing it again, despite being wrong before? Well, it's because a new jobs report came out and showed a decline in new jobs. That's it. One monthly report had a dip in it. 
Oh my God, the American workers are lazy scumbags who will destroy the country. But this is nonsense. First of all, the monthly job report data is famously chaotic and we shouldn't put too much stock into one, two, or even three month dips. These things are best analyzed over time. Now, despite this single, less than stellar report, the year has actually shown strong job gains and it will very likely continue on a generally upward trajectory for the rest of the year. And yeah, there might be a dip or two along the way, and that's okay. The argument that this latest report should cause us to rethink these incredibly helpful pandemic response policies is just ridiculous. The report absolutely does not contain evidence that we are creating a damaging labor shortage via policy. A single dip should not cause broad, widespread policy changes in this country. One easy metric to look at in regards to the overly simple supply and demand curve is to look at wages. If bosses truly could not fill open positions, then wages would go up. This is the base truth according to conservative dorkdom. If the need for workers exceeds supply, then wages should be climbing steeply, but they aren't. Right now, the unemployment number stands around 6%. Before COVID, it was 3.5%. And right now, there are currently 4 million more people unemployed than last March when the lockdown started. This number is people who are actively looking for a job, by the way, not people who have dipped out of the labor force entirely for one of the reasons we mentioned earlier, or even another reason. All of these unemployed people out looking for jobs, but yet business owners are still claiming that they can't find workers willing to actually work. You all might have seen those signs that some companies had posted on windows and drive through menus circulating through social media. They said stuff like, Arby's is closed, nobody wants to work anymore, or sorry for the long lines, we are understaffed, and they usually end asking people to apply for jobs. Well, how about this? Pay more, motherfucker. Even McDonald's has started paying $18 an hour at their company's stores. Yeah, even McDonald's is paying way more than they ever have before, which also kind of puts the lie to the idea that they couldn't pay you this much last year, right? Because I will guarantee you one thing. If $18 an hour was going to destroy McDonald's, they wouldn't offer it. These businesses work by paying you less than you're worth and taking the excess. They know the math. They can absolutely pay more than $18 an hour. Make them. Force them to with collective action. We have a situation like this at my job. And I drive an 18-wheeler for my day job, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know that. But my bosses are fond of saying that there is a shortage of drivers across the country. But this is absolutely not true. I actually looked at the numbers. It's pretty wild what actual data can tell you when you actually look at it. And that's the key. You need to actually look at it. There are somewhere around 400,000 long-haul truck drivers in the country every year. Every year... 450,000 new Class A licenses, that is the class to drive an 18-wheeler, are issued. And the vast majority of these people go into long-haul trucking. So that means that every year, there are roughly enough new Class A drivers to fully replace 
every single existing cross-country trucking job in the entire country. How can there possibly be a shortage of drivers? There can't be. The argument is complete fabrication and deflection. There isn't a shortage of drivers, not even close. So, why do so many trucking companies struggle to hire and maintain workers? It's because the job is terrible, especially when you're new, and it never does quite pay enough to offset all of that terrible. The mega companies that new drivers tend to go to because they are most willing to hire new drivers, they have a turnover rate of over 90%. That means that 9 out of every 10 drivers quit during any 12-month period. That number is remarkably insane. It almost defies logic. At this rate, the exact same position is filled and replaced up to three times in a calendar year. Truck drivers get treated like crap, both by the public at large and the companies that they actually work for, and they decided that the pay just wasn't enough to continue. And then we hear things like, this new generation just doesn't want to work. Bullshit. I've seen just as many boomers wash out as young guys, and I've seen a lot of people wash out. The reality is, the job is bad, it's difficult, and it's dangerous, and it doesn't pay enough. Personally, I managed to stick it out long enough at my current job that a lot of the really bad stuff is in my past. I drive locally and I go home every night, along with the rest of my coworkers. Except I have my own truck. Nobody else uses it. This is a rare treat. Most of my coworkers have to share it with somebody else. I come in at a set time, and I come in in the morning. New guys, they have no set schedule and are forced to work all hours of the day and night. The hours are long, the work is hard, and for new people, the hours and pay are unstable. It's also remarkably dangerous as a profession, coming in the top five on most lists. When we have 80% turnover rate for new drivers, the bosses tell us it's the workers' fault. That they just didn't want to work, they're lazy, they're of that new generation who doesn't want to work, and so on, and more bullshit. What I keep saying back is, pay more, raise wages. If you pay more for difficult, dangerous work, you'll get people to do it. That's how simple it is. Pay more. Stop claiming to be victimized by entitled young people and fucking pay them what they fucking deserve. We need to stop allowing corporations, which are refusing to raise wages to attract workers, to continue to shunt the blame for people not working onto those people's personal character. Demand they pay more. That's how you attract workers. That's how you keep workers. With pay and benefits. If employers are unwilling to pay a market-clearing wage, the wages necessary to attract workers, then the fault lies entirely, 100% with the employer, not the unemployed. We aren't running out of workers. We are running out of companies willing to pay them. Okay. Sorry, I got a little fired up there. But... What do these job report numbers actually tell us? First, it tells us that the leisure and hospitality sector of employment, which is like restaurants, hotels, um, amusement parks, stuff like that, that's the only one seeing wage growth, and it's actually decent wage growth, up 18% over the past three months. This is a good thing. 
it points to customers coming back to these sorts of places, you know, movies, restaurants, museums, hotels, stuff like that. And the wage growth is pretty much what you'd expect in a situation where employers are competing for people looking for jobs. In other words, the exact thing that should, I say that in quotes, that should happen with a simple supply and demand imbalance. This sector is the same sector that was most thoroughly gutted by the pandemic shutdowns. Just about half of the 14.4 million workers in this sector lost their jobs during COVID, and there remains about a 15% shortage of workers compared to pre-COVID numbers. The next thing it tells us is that there is very little, if any, evidence that the enhanced unemployment benefits created any of these shortages. The most important thing to look at here relating to the unemployment bonus and whether it is affecting unemployment is that these sorts of benefits should put pressure on low-wage workers to stay home. After all, $300 a week means more to a poor person than to someone making six figures, right? In spite of that, low-wage jobs saw the fastest growth in April, which again goes to show that these enhanced benefits are not the job killers that these talking heads insist that they are. The other thing, and maybe even more important than the last one now that I'm thinking about it here, is that the low job numbers in this report were not due to fewer people getting jobs, which might seem odd to listeners. After all, the narrative is that people are staying home and living high in the hog with their unemployment, right? Well, get this. There were actually more than 250,000 people moving into the workforce than the average of the previous three months, which it would probably be fair to call a surge of people returning to work. The low numbers that the report showed were actually driven by an unusually high number of people being forced out of the labor force. What that means is that more people are entering the workforce than any time since last year, but employers just fired a massive amount of people and more than offset those gains. So the bosses fired a shitload of people and then blamed the unemployed for low numbers. That's how sick they are. There's another thing here as well concerning female workers. Women accounted for over 100% of those who left the labor force. And while, you know, like I said, there were a lot of jobs added, more than 100% of those jobs went to men. What this likely ties back to is childcare. I can't prove it, but there is a very strong correlation here. Like I said earlier, about 30% of school districts are still not open and children need to be watched and cared for. Someone has to do it, and rightly or wrongly, that is still primarily a responsibility borne by women in this country. And there's another number that doesn't come from the report, but I find interesting. As a share of gross domestic product, worker compensation is lower now than at any point in the second half of the 20th century. Meanwhile, corporate profits are at record highs. Corporations can pay you more, and without even raising prices, they just won't accept slightly less than record profits as a trade-off. The brass tax here is that people are still hesitant to return to work for a myriad of factors, most of which I'm pretty sure I mentioned. Childcare, the stress of dealing with customers about mask mandates, as well as health fears for themselves and their loved ones. Older folks also retired in high numbers over the past year, mostly due to their own fears of being, you know, the most vulnerable to COVID, 
And also just because they had time off, they looked at their accounting numbers and decided they could make it. I hope they do. Even younger and more affluent workers have retired at an accelerated rate as the stock market has ballooned and provided them with enough to live on and enjoy their lives. Add on to this that the entire workforce and jobs it requires is changing, not just in the face of the pandemic, but also just from the pressures of trade, technology, and increasingly inhumane financial issues. So, okay, let's start to tie some of these loose ends up and come to an end here. Are these extended unemployment benefits causing a labor shortage? Let's look at the big indicators again and recap a little bit. A study out of Yale University, agreeing with many other studies, concluded that there was no correlation between the extra $600 a week benefits and whether workers returned to their jobs after the initial COVID lockdowns in 2020. And currently, despite the rhetoric of the financial press, the number of Americans relying on the now $300 extra benefits continues to decline significantly month over month. $600 didn't dissuade workers from working. This is an absolute fact. There is no evidence, and really no reason to believe, sans evidence, that the current $300 will be any different. Sectors of the economy with low wages should be the most affected by any supposed effect from these benefits. After all, the bonus represents a large percentage of their income, but it doesn't depress the hiring in this sector at all. Low-wage sectors had markedly faster job growth than any other sector. Further, the monthly downturn in new jobs was not due to people not returning to work. In fact, a huge amount of new hiring took place, but rather the downturn was caused by a massive layoff purge from the same people who are now whining about not being able to find workers. Basically, they fired or lost far more workers than they hired, even as the number of those being hired was abnormally high. Additionally, people reported that fears for their health contributed to their choice of whether to work or not, a fact that is corroborated by vaccination rates. Places with higher vaccination rates saw higher than average returns to work. In response, rather than doing the good and proper thing and in increasing wages and benefits, Massively profitable corporations are, instead, crying through the media about how workers are lazy in an effort to shame workers into returning and instigating a class rift. Some restaurant chains have even offered a free meal to anyone who interviews. Others have offered a $100 sign-on bonus. Anything at all to avoid just paying people what they deserve. And there is an even darker side to the restaurant hiring schemes here as well. There have been reports that fast food chains are even attempting to report on people who they offered a job to but did not take it and caused those people to lose their benefits. They are quite literally trying to starve people into a deep enough desperation that they will accept starvation wages while working for them. A ways back, I asked the question about whether these extended benefits are causing people to not work, and the answer is clearly no. Since forever, employers have cried and complained about how they can't find the employees that they need. This complaint is always there, no matter the times. Occasionally, and in certain sectors, this is actually accurate, but those times are few and far between. 
You'd be a rich person if you bet that these employers were lying every time they told you that they can't find properly skilled workers for their jobs. My own company says this, and it's a lie. There are plenty of qualified truck drivers out there. They just won't work for how much trucking companies pay. It, it, it just isn't worth it to them. The far more common reason that companies can't fill empty positions is what I just said. They refuse to raise their wages to entice workers. They always say that they can't find a worker that they need to fill the position. But what they never do is finish that sentence with the thought that's in their head. They can't find workers that they need to fill the position. Who will work for starvation wages. That's the full sentence. Now you add in the labor market itself. We can't keep pretending that this labor market is the same as 1950 or 1989 or 2000, 2009 or even 2020. It just isn't. And that matters quite a bit. If an employer is struggling to fill positions, they need to raise wages, improve benefits, and maybe even step back on the qualifications. If they don't do those things, they aren't really trying to fill that position. They're just trying to essentially trap a desperate, overqualified, starving person to accept a deal that's too low to be fair to them. Now check out these numbers, which show the lie even more brightly. In March, 900,000 jobs were added, the seventh highest percent increase in jobs in the last 50 years. Also in March, the food service, hospitality, and leisure sector added 280,000 jobs with an average salary of less than 20 grand. How can we take seriously the notion that $300 bonus checks are keeping people home with numbers like this? It's utter bullshit, folks. While I was doing reading for this episode, I found an article on the Economic Policy Institute website by Josh Bivens and Heidi Shearholtz. There was a part that stood out to me. It said this. It said, quote, Cutting pandemic unemployment insurance benefits now, as some states have done or are considering, will not just hurt workers who are depending on federal benefits while they cannot find work or are unable to work. It will also drag on the economy as those benefits are supporting spending. Finally, even if overall growth were constrained by voluntary labor supply decisions made by workers, this would be far less damaging to human welfare than growth that was constrained by too slack aggregate demand. The goal of economic policy should not be to chase as many adults into paid work as possible. It should be to provide good options and economic security for all, end quote. And I love that part of that article. Basically, we are better off with workers choosing not to work for whatever their reasons than we would be enforcing them into the workforce via policies of starvation and general deprivation. And a lot of people hear that and think of, you know, the economic and financial impact. But I want to focus on the quote saying human welfare. And I think that's pretty important. So we can definitely say that there are fewer people looking for jobs right now. This isn't even a question, but, and this is a big but, we need to look at why. The media is beating into our heads that it's all laziness, that everybody is taking advantage of taxpayers and so on. They are intentionally trying to set us up, those of us who are blessed to be working right now, 
to look down upon those who are not working. Don't fall for this. Support your fellow man, not the corporate bastards trying to destroy his life. Now, the people who are actually out of work, they are telling us that it's real-life struggles, most of them related to COVID, fear, health concerns, childcare, and so on, as well as a reluctance to enter into a job with low wages and bad benefits. Employers have a very easy, very obvious method to get many of these workers back into jobs, pay more, and provide better benefits. They could have more people work from home, help with childcare in some way, or just simply boost wages. But they refuse to. Because starving workers until they have no choice but to work for near-starvation wages is cheaper and more efficient. Corporations have become so accustomed to paying workers so little that they have come to believe that it is their right to do so, that there is no other way to do things. Right now, the workers in this country are telling them that they are wrong. And if they don't listen, we know where the pitchforks are. And that's the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I, mean, I guess you guys know it all by now. You guys are podcast listeners. If you like the show, please share it. You know, word of mouth, share it on social media. And if you have a few seconds, there's a link to Apple Podcasts in the description. If you can just click it and leave a review and or rating or both, that would be awesome. It's like the best way to help a podcast out. Thank you, guys. Love you all.